Most of us have some things in life that we're actually good at, and uh, maybe something at work where you have a skill or a responsibility or like that. That's something I'm really good. So maybe I'm like good at sales, or I'm a good technician, or if you're a school teacher, you can say, you know, I'm just pretty good at teaching. Maybe some of us are good at things like hobbies, and, and maybe there are uh, things that you play with, or it could be sewing, or it could be woodworking, it could be gardening, or baking, or or watching TV, I mean, whatever it is, it's really your hobby, you can be good at that. Some of these folks up here, they're musical, it was fun this morning, wasn't it, to see the uh, the parent-child combination going on, anybody notice that? We had Michael and Eric here, and, and we had Lily and Daniel here, uh, father, kid, that's pretty fun, I think, to, to see families even worshiping together like that. But maybe you play an instrument and that's your skill, or maybe you're just good at making friends, or maybe you're good at knowing the right thing to say in a situation me, I can make a pretty good omelet, except for those days where it doesn't really go so well and I end up with just egg everywhere. But, you know, we all have things that we're good at, and then we have things that we're not so good at. Like maybe, you know, singing. It's always scary when on Sunday mornings my mic gets left on and I'm singing with the worship team and everybody's looking around like, what has happened here. That's not my gift. Or, you know, painting. Yesterday, we spent uh, this weekend, we've had a painting project, and that's not my best thing. It really isn't. I try my hardest. I really do to not make drips or anything like that, but that's not something I'm particularly good at. Some people aren't good at throwing things out, or some people aren't good at emptying their inbox, or some people aren't good at at keeping up with friends, and some people aren't good at finishing up a project that they've got started. If you look around their house, there's all kinds of things that we have begun but haven't been finished. But you could take the same thing and compare it to faith. There are things that we're good at, and there are things that we're not so good at. So for some people, you know, they're good at getting to church, or they're good at reading their Bible, or they're, they're good at giving as they should. And other people or maybe even the same people, there are things that they're not so good at. Maybe like what we talked about last week, sharing your faith and witnessing. It's like, that's not my strength. Or maybe it's prayer. And maybe you're not so good at prayer. In fact, I think that prayer is one of those things that most Christians, maybe not all, but most Christians actually struggle with. Think about that. Even Jesus with his disciples, they showed up one day and said to him, what? Master, teach us to pray. Well, why are they asking that? Because they weren't very good at it. And they're like, could you give us a little bit of help here? And he did give a little bit of help, and then he gave them the Lord's Prayer. But think about this. The Lord's Prayer is less than 60 words. You can actually quote it in less than 30 seconds. That doesn't seem to me like a lot of help when it comes to the idea of prayer. And so Jesus didn't just stop, though, with a a uh, prayer. He said, you know, I can pray this or pray like this. What he actually did, he said, I'll, I'll go one better, and I'll send you somebody that can help you with prayer. And that's another role that we talk about when we talk about the Holy Spirit, is he helps us with our prayer lives as well. Because I don't know if you're like me, but but sometimes I'm saying things like this when I pray. You know what? I just don't know what I should pray. Or Sometimes I'm like, I don't even know if this is doing any good. I just kind of feel like I'm talking to to the ceiling here sometimes. Or when I pray, sometimes I'm just like so distracted. Like I sit down to pray about this, and that reminds me of this, and that reminds me of this. And the next thing you know, I'm up in the kitchen getting something fixed. And I'm like, whoa, wait, time out. I was supposed to be praying here. 
And we have all these different things. What should I pray about? What should I say? Is it really doing any good? And we get discouraged by that. Well, the Holy Spirit is here to help us. But let me just say this before we go any further this morning. The Holy Spirit's plan for helping us is not the same plan that most of us typically follow. Because most of us typically follow this plan when it's any weakness in our spiritual lives, we just need to do better and try harder. Do better and try harder. Okay, I haven't been praying like I should. I've just got to, I've got to make it, you know, more of a priority in my life. I got to get scheduled or I have to set aside my place and and we go through, and I have to have my list, and, and we go through all these things where we're going to turn up the efforts in our life. But that's not how it works. And we talked about this back on the second week when we talked about the Holy Spirit who enables us. The Holy Spirit who enables us comes into us and gives us life. He gives us freedom, but he gives us desire, and he gives us ability. And if we're going to get better at prayer, it's not going to be because we are going to, to bare knuckle it and be like, oh, we can make this. It's going to be because we step back and say, okay, Holy Spirit, please help me in this area. And that's exactly what he wants to do. So we're going to look at a passage in Romans chapter 8. We've looked at some of this passage before as we've gone through this series. These verses in particular, we haven't looked at today. It's interesting to me when we look at this, this is the Apostle Paul writing, who in the process of writing these verses in Romans 8, is actually confessing to the fact that he struggles in prayer as well. Because as we look at the pronouns that he uses, he's not talking about you out there. He's talking about we, all of us. And he provides some encouragement here. So we're going to look at verses 26 and verses 27 in Romans chapter 8. But if you notice those verses, they start with these words in the same way which means that it's referring to something that he's just written or just said here. And so just for a minute this morning, I want to go back and pick that up because it's the context of what he's saying. And context is always, always, always important when we're looking at Scripture. If we don't look at context, we can take verses and make them say about whatever we want them to say. We always have to go back and get context. And so the context here of the overall passage, Romans chapter 8, is he's talking about the Holy Spirit and the different roles that he plays. And we've talked about some of them already in this series. And if you use the growth guide, which is available on version, or if you can pick up the sheets in the back on the way out or picked up one on the way in, we're going to walk through Romans chapter 8 this week and talk about some of the different roles that the Holy Spirit plays. But that's the, the overall context. But the, but the specific context, let me just read for you, starting in verse number 18. It says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us, for creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. And what Paul is talking about here, these people in Rome that he's addressed this book to are definitely dealing with suffering, and that wouldn't be unique because all of us as Christians deal with suffering. And he says, though, that our sufferings, although they seem intense now, and seem hard now if we compare them to the glory that we're going to enjoy when we're all with God someday and, 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 uh, and living in eternity, that's going to seem like nothing compared to the good that we're going to enjoy. 
And so that's his point here. And he actually says that even creation is waiting for that day. And so it's the, it's the hope of our salvation, really. We've trusted Christ. Eventually, we're going to live forever with Christ. And when that happens, our sufferings aren't going to seem like a big deal. And the reason he throws in the creation here is because the same thing is going to happen to creation. And just like we look forward to, to the restoration of, of what it means to be fully human and at the same time to, to be fully God's, creation is going to be restored to what it once was. And so that's what he, he's talking about here. He goes on in verse number 22. He says, For we know that the whole of creation has been groaning, is in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. The earth was cursed when Adam was cursed, and the earth feels it, and he's giving, he's personifying it. Saying, hey, earth wants to be restored. He said, but it's not just earth, not, verse number 23, not only so, but we ourselves, who have been the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. And he goes and starts using this term groaning. And he says, like, creation groans and it can't wait to be restored to what it once was and what it's going to be. But the same way we deal with these groanings too because the stuff that we're going through in life right now is hard. And we know it's going to be better someday, but we just can't quite get there. It's up to God to get there. And so we experience this groaning too. And so he uses this to set up what he says next here. In verse number 26, he says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Well, if we look at that, it's like, okay, in the same way, what? I don't get it. It's the same way that salvation, our ultimate salvation, being with God forever and eternity, gives us hope in our sufferings. In the same way, the Spirit gives us hope or help in our weaknesses. And so that's the transition there, but what is the weakness? Well, the weakness may just be spiritual weaknesses in general, or it could be a very specific weakness that he mentions next. Either way works. If it's in general, then what we talk about next is just an example of that, or it could be that the weakness that he's really referring to is what he's talking about next. So what is it? Let's keep reading. The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, we do not know what we ought to pray for. What's our weakness? Prayer. And maybe it's the only weakness he's referring to, or maybe prayer is the example here. But the idea that Paul is presenting here is, hey, everybody, we struggle with prayer, but we have the Holy Spirit to help us. And that's the promise, and that's the hope that we have here this morning. He says this, we don't know what we should pray for, but the Holy Spirit himself let me get these verses up here. We can just read them. The Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us. In the same way the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not, he intercedes with us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And so he says this, we have this prayer struggle. The Holy Spirit has been sent here to intercede, to help us with this prayer struggle. And he lists four things in these verses that I think could be super helpful to us when we talk about this idea of prayer. Because the Holy Spirit wants to help us. 
in our weakness. The solution is not to do better and try harder. The solution is to lean into the Holy Spirit. And so we can say this, and this is really the big idea this morning. The big idea is this. It takes two to pray. It takes two to pray. And you're like, well, that's pretty obvious, isn't it? Uh, we've got you down here praying, and we've got God up here listening. And we make requests, and God answers. And so it's what I have to say and, and what he has to say back. And we think of prayer as being me here and God here. But when I'm talking about taking two to pray, that's not what I'm talking about this morning. When I talk about it takes two to pray, it takes me right here, and it takes the Holy Spirit right here. And between the two of us, we pray, and as we pray that way, our prayers are much more effective and effectual, and we see a lot more victory and, and, and uh, progress in prayer. And so let's just break down these two verses that we put up here and look at these four things where the Holy Spirit's actually writing this, but the Holy Spirit is saying, here's how I want to help you. And so the first thing, if we go back to verse number 26, it says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And it's this simple statement that we start with is this, the Spirit helps us in our prayer weakness. That should be encouraging just right there. So if you say, man, I really struggle with this, well, yeah, we all do. In fact, we all do so much that the Holy Spirit says, hey, one of my primary things that I do is I help in prayer. Now, that word helps literally means this. It means to lend a hand. And we kind of get that casually like, okay, I want to help out. It is meant literally to lend a hand or to help carry. And maybe some of you tomorrow will go off and celebrate a picnic over the holiday. I don't know. But if you do, you probably pack like the big cooler and you throw the ice and the drinks and whatever in there. And that thing's heavy and it's big. And usually when you get to the park, what do you do? You say, hey, could you help me carry that? And each one grab a handle on either side and you carry it that way. That's the idea of this word here. The Holy Spirit picks up the handle on his side. What is it that's in the cooler? Well, it's, it's prayer. And so he's going to help us carry this, this thing that we struggle with. But here's the really cool thing, is he's going to take all the weight. You're going to be carrying the handle over here and saying, this feels pretty good, and he's going to be carrying the weight over here. But that's what it means when he says that the Holy Spirit helps us pray. And it's that big idea again, isn't it? It takes two to pray. As we pray, we can't carry it on our own. He comes alongside us to help us carry it. Now here, I think, is something else that's exciting, too. He says he helps us in our weakness. A lot of us have this idea that for God to help us or for God to appreciate us, for God to like us, whatever, he's waiting for us to get it all figured out so we can be good at this. And God's like, okay, you're making some progress there. Now I'm going to jump in. That's not how God works. God looks at our lives and says, hey, you're really weak right there. Let me help you. God is not drawn to our strengths or where we have it all figured out. God is drawn to those situations, those areas in our lives when we don't have it figured out, where we are weak, when we're like, hey, I need some help here because I can't get it right. God's like, perfect, because now you'll be paying attention when I step into this situation, and you'll recognize me for me, and I can help you with this. And so our prayer weakness is God's opportunity to show up big in our lives. 
And so when we say, man, I struggle with this, God's like, that's perfect. Because as you struggle, the Holy Spirit here, he's going to step in and he's going to help you as you need help because it takes two to pray. Well, we keep reading in this verse here. Oops, sorry. Oh, yeah, we need that. And here we go. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we should pray for. And there's an example of one of our weaknesses, right? I just don't know what I should pray. And so he gives that as, a, as an example. He says this then, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And that leads us to our second point. He helps us by interceding for us. Now, interceding is not a word that we use a lot. But it's a word that most of us have an idea. It's, it's the idea of the fact that I, on behalf of somebody else, advocate for or approach for or appeal for to somebody else. And so I have a situation here. I don't know what to do with it. You walk into my story and say, oh, I know somebody who can help you. And you go over to that person who can help and say, hey, let me tell you about this person. He needs your help right now. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes into our story and says, there's Brent. He's really bad at praying. He needs some help. Let me intercede. Let me appeal on his behalf. We could take it a step further and say, here's Brent. He's praying right now. He has this need in his life. Well, let me intercede. I'll take that need and I'll take that to the Father. And I'll mention that to the Father for you. And so the Holy Spirit becomes your representative is the idea here by interceding for us. And what's interesting, I think, about this word is the word interceding is present tense. So we could actually read that verse, the Holy Spirit who continuously represents us. The Holy Spirit who, without ceasing or stopping, pleads our case. The Holy Spirit, who just doesn't pray with you, he prays for you as he takes your needs and your requests to the Father. Pretty cool to think about, isn't it? As you sit there where you are this morning, as a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit is continuously, and right now, interceding for you. He's representing you to the Father. And I think that's incredibly encouraging because he prays for us, he pleads our case. It's two people praying again as we look at that. By the way, in this passage, if you get to, what is it, verse number 34 of Romans chapter 8, it tells us that Jesus intercedes for us. And so we have the Holy Spirit living us inside us here on earth, interceding to the Father. We have Jesus, who's in heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding for us. How cool is this? You have the Holy Spirit and Jesus continuously praying for you. There's a lot of hope in that, isn't there? And that's what this is talking about. But notice how he intercedes. Go back to our verse here. He inter the Holy Spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans. And this is our third point here. He helps us with wordless groans. And you're like, what in the world is that talking about? Well, here's what it's not talking about. It's not talking about the Holy Spirit and God, and God the Father and God the Son getting together as the Trinity there and communicating with each other in this weird spiritual language 
that we don't really understand and it doesn't really have words, but somehow they're communicating that way. And, and so when they have the big prayer session, that's, that's not it. What this is talking about is the Holy Spirit communicates on an incredibly deep level. Wordless groans. And we know this in our own stories in our lives. There are times when we can't really express what's going on inside of us. You've had somebody say that to you. What, you know, how do you feel right now? I, mean, I don't even know how to put words to what I'm feeling. That's what this is talking about. When you're dealing with situations, you're like, man, I, I can't quite come up with the words for it. The Holy Spirit's like, that's okay, I got it. I get it, and I'm going to take that to the Father. And so he is carrying that burden. He's sorting out that information, and he's taking that information for you. But here's what I think is super, super awesome about this. He doesn't translate it into words. He takes it to the Father in that same essence that we're experiencing it, and he presents it that way. And so it's presented as a groan. And there are times in our lives where we're like, I just can't put words to, to, to what I'm feeling. And there are times in our lives where what we're feeling is hitting us at such a deep level that really it, it's best described as groaning. If you had that experience where, where you just get devastating news or where there's just this incredible heartbreak or frustration, and you're just like, oh. And the Holy Spirit takes that, and he goes to the Father, and this is what he says is, pretty cool, isn't it? That the deepest hurts and the deepest heartaches of our, of our lives, he doesn't even try to translate them. He just presents them in that way. The Holy Spirit prays so that the deep, hidden needs of our heart and hurts of our heart and pains of our heart and concerns of our heart, even those things that we don't recognize, he takes them all to God so that God can deal with those things. And wow, that takes the relationship to a pretty deep level, doesn't it? Where we have inside us the Holy Spirit who recognizes that, and we don't even have to get it into words, and he says, okay, I'm taking that too. And that's what he means. He helps us with these groans that are unspoken or, or wordless. Sometimes we go through those moments, and it's like, I, I don't even know if I can pray. Or maybe all we need to do is, is just express that. I've got nothing. I don't even know how to put this into words. And the Holy Spirit's like, okay. Because it takes two to pray, and that partner in our prayer takes those requests to God. We go on to the next verse here, verse number 27. It says this, He who searches our hearts and knows the minds of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And this is another way that He helps us as we pray. He helps us by aligning our requests. Earlier we read, you know, we don't even know what to say. He's like, that's okay. I, I can work with that. I, I can take whatever it is that's in your heart and, and we can turn that into a request. 
He's also saying here, though, is that I could take the words that you do say, and, and we can get those lined up and squared away so that then where they're presented to God, however that happens, that they're all in, in the right shape and form and, and format. And, and so he helps us by aligning these requests. So sometimes I pray this, the Holy Spirit knows that what I really need is this. And so he takes that prayer and he redefines it or, or, or reforms it. And then he puts it in this package and then he takes it to the Father here. And so he says, like, you know what? Isn't that encouraging? That means that I don't have to get it exactly right. Because he'll take what I'm saying and he'll repackage it and get it delivered the right way. More than that, he takes, I think, sometimes what we pray and says, hmm, I don't know about that. And I think sometimes he aligns our desires, not just our requests, but our desires with what God wants. That's encouraging, too. Because sometimes, like, I'm going to pray for this, but I don't even know if it's the right thing to be praying for. The Holy Spirit sees our, our hearts, and he moves us to where we need to be so that we are praying the right things. And ultimately, it's getting to where our desires match his desires. And the Holy Spirit is involved in that process. And so that's encouraging to me. It's like sometimes, like, I don't even know if I'm saying the right things. Does it matter? Because the Holy Spirit understands what's going on in our heart every bit as much as he understands what the words are that we're framing either in our mind or as we're speaking in our prayer. And it's the idea that he brings us together, the Holy Spirit and I, and we come to the Father in that way. And that's really the idea of communication. Communication comes from a Latin word communis, which means to have something in common. And we think of different words like that, a communion, community. It just means that we have something in common. And communication means that we have a common language, typically. Or communication also means that we have a common value or we have a common environment. But here when we talk about prayer, what the Holy Spirit does is he assures commonness. Because we have the God living inside us and, and the God of, of, uh, uh, of the Father. And, and I'm not really describing that, that theology very well of these different roles because, I'll to be completely honest, I don't totally get it. How we have the Holy Spirit and Jesus and the, and, and the Father and, and, and how those prayers are all working. But the idea is that we have common ground, though. The God who lives within us communicates to the God of the universe in this way. And we come back to that word that I mentioned already. Another word is communion. And that's really the idea behind prayer. And the idea behind prayer is that God and I commune. We have something in common. And the Holy Spirit wants to do that in our lives. So as we conclude here this morning, my hope is this. That maybe we look at prayer instead of saying, you know what, I'm not very good at this. That we look at prayer in a different way and say, you know what, um, I don't know if I can mess this up. Because, I mean, as long as I'm praying, the Holy Spirit's going to take my heart. As long as I'm being open to, to what God wants, he's going to take my request. And he's going to, to deliver those to God. Really, the only way that we can mess this up is by not praying. And we're saying, I don't know if I'm ever going to be good at prayer. I don't know if it matters. 
Because the Holy Spirit says, hey, you know what? It's me. And so if I will simply say, okay, God, I'm not a very good prayer. I don't even know if I'm saying the right thing, but, but hey, I, I want to have this communication with you. I want to talk with you. I want to share what's going on in my life. I want to ask you these things. The Holy Spirit's like, great, here we go. This is how it works. And so oftentimes when we think about getting better at prayer, we're like, well, I need to, you know, fill the prayer closet, or I need to have my prayer list, or I, I, you know, maybe I need to get a, a prayer partner who I can spend some time with her, or maybe I need to get my little formulas and my structures and my outlines. There's nothing wrong with those things. But the Holy Spirit is here to say, hey, you know what? It takes two to pray. And I'm that other person. Just you and me. It doesn't have to be a duty. It's this incredible opportunity where you can just do the best you can. And it's going to be good enough because I'm going to take it the rest of the way. Prayer is incredibly simple. Prayer is incredibly accessible. And prayer is something that we can do if we realize that it takes two to pray. And we have the Holy Spirit saying, hey, just dive in. I'll get you the rest of the way. Well, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to take just a few minutes here as we wrap up this morning and do a little bit of an exercise. And hopefully this won't feel too awkward. But I want to give you a few minutes to simply pray. And so we're going to, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed in just a minute here, give you just quietness where you can pray. And what do I pray about? Pray what comes to mind. And we don't worry about whether we say the right words because the words aren't going to be important. It's just going to be that the Holy Spirit says. And if you're like, you know what, I don't even know what to pray. Well, then just start with this. Holy Spirit, please bring to mind something that I need to pray for. Or Holy Spirit, please show me what it is that you want to work on in my life. You can have that conversation even with the Holy Spirit to start with. But I want to give you a few minutes just to pray. Don't worry about getting it wrong, because I'm not sure you can, if you're asking the Holy Spirit to help you. And after a few minutes when you're done praying, when we're done praying, the worship team's going to conclude our service here this morning.